Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. My name's Natasha, and I have been given the honor of preaching this morning. Pete and I spent yesterday driving up and down the A1 to and from York. It was the first of two trips to the north that we'll be making this September, as yesterday we took our daughter and then later this month our younger son to university, different universities, but both the same road. Well, we're fairly seasoned student parents by now, having done our first drop-off five years ago, and I like to think that Peter and I have learned a few things about students as a people group during that time. For example, we've learned that student concepts are usually very alien from our concepts as middle-aged adults. Let's think about a couple of those. There's the idea that students take of approaching essays with deadlines. This usually involves ignoring the existence of this essay for as long as possible, followed in the last few hours before it's due by a huge amount of caffeine consumption, And finally, there's a game of chicken as the deadline approaches. And for onlooking parents, it's a little bit terrifying. Let's take more simple ideas. There's what constitutes day and night. (laughs) And when it comes to a good night's sleep, the lines are somewhat blurred. Or a healthy meal, usually constituting something I don't recognise as food. But the concept where we differ the most, in my opinion, is the idea of what is clean And what is unclean? (laughs) I have been periodically stunned when visiting nameless student kitchens and bathrooms over the years, mostly amazed there is not a higher rate of food poisoning in those residences. The only redeeming quality is that I myself am not the tidiest person when it comes to housework, so they make my house look amazing until they come back home again. (laughs) Well, today we are starting a new sermon series for September. We have been looking at the Gospel of Mark the past few Septembers. We have reached chapter 7 today, and we are going to be looking at some other people who had differing concepts of what makes something clean and what makes something unclean. And I'm going to pray and then ask Magdalena to come and bring our reading to us. So let's pray. We're listening to you today, Lord, as you speak to us through your word, the Bible. Will you help us hear what you want us to take away? Will you help me say what you want me to say? Amen. Magdalena.
Good morning, Emmanuel. Today's reading is from Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. A Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the eldest. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of the cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with the defiled hands? He replied. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, this is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God but your, but your, by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying that, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out out of the person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of person's heart, that is evil thoughts come sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and define a person. This is the word of the God.
Thank you for reading that so beautifully, Magdalena. It's quite a difficult passage. Can we have the first slide up, Alex? I wonder if anyone remembers the popular household programme from the early noughties, How Clean Is Your House? These two fearsome ladies up here who transformed dirty houses were known for their reprimanding tone and their fur-trimmed rubber gloves. Scrub, dear, don't tickle, they would cry as they showed the shame-faced participants, who I have to say were particularly filthy, what a thorough clean really looks like. Someone once gave me a copy of this book, but um, I don't know why, and basically I've lost it. Read into that what you will. Well, as I read this chapter in Mark, the title of that programme came into my head as I thought about the Pharisees watching how people kept up with their laws of cleanliness. It feels to me as if it would have been a difficult thing to have stayed clean enough for these judgmental men. I can imagine them standing over the hand-washing bowl, watching how you washed your hands, and sometimes crying out, Scrub, dear, don't tickle! We're going to look at what we've seen of Jesus so far in the first six chapters of Mark. The emphasis has been on his acts of healing and his miraculous signs. Mark's pointed to him as someone to keep an eye on. And that's just what people were doing. As we join the scene, if we look at the end of chapter 6, the average man and woman in the street and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they've all noticed Jesus. In verse 30, sorry, 55, we see people running towards where Jesus was, carrying those who were sick to him to be healed. They know who Jesus is by now, and they've seen enough to approach him in confidence. Then we see Jesus, and what's he doing? He's moving round the marketplaces. He's moving towards people. He's responding to their desperation. He's not standing back for fear of catching something dirty or separating himself from a fear of contamination. In fact, by being with people who need help and healing them, he's pushing against the societal norms. You see, this society often rejected people who were different or weaker. But Jesus has always looked beyond the externals. And I love the way Jane picked that up in her prayers. So now let's move to the start of chapter 7 and join another set of characters who are watching Jesus. The teachers of the law, these Pharisees. We have the next slide, Alex. We see these guys standing as a group, looking on. They appear not to be noticing the wonder and amazement that Jesus brings to people's lives by healing them, making them want to run to him. In fact, for such an eagle-eyed bunch of blokes, they seem to me a lot more interested in what's not being done than in what is actually going on right in front of their eyes. In verse 5, they see the disciples are eating without firstly ceremonially washing their hands. And they speak up saying, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating food with unwashed hands? So you see, while Jesus is reaching out to make broken people whole, the Pharisees seem to be operating from a place of fear. They're more concerned about being in contact with those who they believe might make them unclean. 
It's really important here to realize that the laws that the Pharisees are claiming have been broken were not the laws that God himself had created for the Jewish people. The law of God as it was given to Moses was honored and kept by Jesus himself, as we saw when we looked at the importance of the Bible for Jesus earlier this year. Jesus said, for example, I have not come to abolish this law, but to fulfill it. Now, there were laws about purity and cleanliness in the Jewish scriptures, but these laws were good and proper. Their purpose was to remind the Jewish people of God's holiness. They helped them walk in a way that was distinctive as the people of God, as well as fulfilling practical and hygienic purposes. However, the laws that the Pharisees claimed had been broken were laws that had actually been created by them. We can see that Mark calls them the tradition of the elders in verses 3 and 5. So when they called out the disciples for not living according to the tradition of the elders, they were criticizing them for not following rulings which had actually been created later. In fact, in the book of Exodus, it's only the priest who's asked to clean his hands and feet, and this before he meets with God. The burden of these added laws was something Jesus had no time for. There are many times in the Gospels, these stories of Jesus, when he strongly stands up against the nitpicking attitude of the Pharisees and the boxes they wanted people to fit in. And here too, he doesn't mince his words. Let's look at what he says in verses 6 to 8. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God, he said, and are holding on to human traditions. There seems to me little doubt that the Pharisees thought these rigorous cleaning laws would make them more acceptable to God. But they'd got it wrong, Jesus says. They'd become people who prioritized issues that God doesn't care about while losing sight of what God's passionate about. And they'd added burdens to everyday people that put barriers between them and the God who longed for relationship with them. You know, if you're like me, you're quick to join Jesus in condemning these Pharisees. Maybe we should stop and reflect before we decide we'd never behave like that. I wonder if, like the Pharisees in the marketplace, sometimes we're quick to notice something to disapprove of rather than looking for something that's amazing. In verse 8, Jesus tells them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. I wonder if we ever do that. Do we ever hold on to traditions which keep people from finding God rather than allowing the God who prioritized the poor and underprivileged to have his way with us? Let's ask God to give us eyes to what really matters to him. It really may surprise us, I think. So we've got these Pharisees asking, how clean are your hands? And in Jesus' eyes, they were teaching falsely. So next slide. We learn in the next part of our passage, Jesus is not concerned about what we look like on the outside. 
Instead, he's interested in the inside, what he calls the heart. Why is this Bible passage even something we need to take any notice of in 21st century Croydon? Why don't we just skip past it to the next miracle? I believe it's so important because Jesus is teaching us something fundamental here about our spiritual state. The idea of scrubbing ourselves clean enough to find a way into God's good books is not something that only went on with the Pharisees. Paul talked about this a lot in his letters, reminding the early churches he wrote to that Jesus came to break down barriers, not create them. We see Jesus teaching the same thing to his disciples in this passage. It's not what we eat or what we do to ourselves that makes us holy. But for many of us today, we continue to try to earn God's approval by keeping or even creating traditions or laws or ways of doing things that we think will make us good enough or even sometimes feel better than others. But as Jesus shows, God isn't interested in how clean our nails are or how well we play the part of being a Jesus follower. God isn't interested in us having a certain education level or earning a certain salary. He's not interested in us using certain words when we pray or how many Bible verses we know by heart. God looks at what comes from inside us. In other words, what comes from our hearts. The Bible uses this word heart to talk about what motivates us, what drives us, where our thoughts and desires come from. And what sort of things do we find in someone's heart? Well, Jesus gives us some examples in verses 21 and 22. And they're uncomfortable reading for us. There's a list of sins here that includes each one of us. There's evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. There's greed. There's wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. Now, we don't like talking about sin, and quite honestly, this bit's been really hard for me to write because I feel really judgmental, and I don't want to be. But it's there in our passage. It's especially difficult for us to do this because we live in a society which somehow lets us pick and choose what counts as sin. We look outside ourselves to define what makes someone acceptable or not. But Jesus teaches that each one of us is unclean because of what is inside us, our thoughts, how we live our lives, as he says, what's in our hearts. While the demands of the Pharisees were exacting, they'd nevertheless created this set of rules which were somehow doable. By that, I mean that by keeping these laws, even though there were a lot of them, you might be able to feel as if you were clean enough for God to accept you. And many religions across the world today, including some interpretations of Christianity, have done just the same thing. If you give to the poor, or if you pray a certain number of times, or if you go to church every week, you will be clean. In the same way, if we look at our shelves, the the magazines, the books, um, a myriad of ways of just do this and you'll be good enough, we feel as if, with enough effort, we can become clean. But when all said and done, Jesus says that our hearts reveal that we are people who can't ever wash our hands enough 
to create a clean inside. I don't know if you noticed it was at that sobering point that our passage ends. But Mark's gospel goes on and our Bible goes on and it holds such good news that makes all the difference. We've sung about this good news. We've prayed in faith. We know that communion is waiting for us. But I want us to pause and ask ourselves if we sometimes live as if we're still struggling to understand the difference between God's version of what makes us clean and our own. Speaking with a Christian friend recently, he was telling me about a book that was published under the title Jesus Versus Evangelicals. Written by a biblical scholar, it's a strong critique of the direction that those who call themselves evangelical have been seen to have gone in in America. I've not read this book, but my friend has. He said what struck him most was that those Americans who identify as evangelical Christians are now seen as so judgmental that the very name evangelical repels those who are trying to find out more about Jesus. The book claims that Christians have an acceptable and unacceptable code of sins created through tribal values rather than the priorities of the Bible. I think that sounds like people who are still getting stuck in the world of external appearances, don't you? And that means really that we're still missing the fullness of the gospel at times. Now, of course, the media has created a bad guy out of the evangelical Christian. That's always been the case. Of course, the American church is different from the British church. But I do wonder if there is truth in the accusations. Maybe the world does see us as those who demand a certain fit, a certain way of keeping clean in order to reach God. So how can we leave here today without the feeling of guilt that sadly now what some people associate with Christianity? Or how can we leave here without a sense of superiority, which means that sometimes it feels as if we've built bridges around, sorry, walls around our churches instead of building bridges to those who come looking for answers? The answer is only and fully because of the beautiful cleaning work of Jesus. In a few minutes, we'll be celebrating communion together. Communion serves to remind us that if we have faith in Jesus, we are able to be washed clean. The physical action of taking bread and wine to represent Jesus' body and blood as he died on the cross is, of course, symbolic. Just as washing our hands doesn't make us right for God, so taking communion doesn't make everything right with God. But instead, what we're doing as we take communion is remembering the beautiful cleaning that has happened because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. If we feel this morning as if we've sat on the margins of church looking on, if we've sensed the hopelessness of our human attempts to feel good about ourselves, to feel clean, this picture of taking communion celebrates the wonderfully liberating good news that our spiritual state, our unclean hearts are, can be washed. The Bible uses this beautiful word purified in the blood of Jesus. When we turn to him in repentance and faith, 
we acknowledge that he sees us and loves us just where we are, wherever we are this morning, but also that his spirit transforms our hearts into what we can be. And I also want to say, let's remember that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We come in humility with empty hands because we all need Jesus. We all need his cleaning. Through Jesus, we can all be made beautifully clean. It's his delight to reach out and respond to us with the same healing hands we saw reaching out to desperate people in our Bible reading. Let me finish by reading two amazing truths from the first chapter of 1 John. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. The first beautiful truth. And the second, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It would be a delight to pray with you about any of this, please do go to our prayer team or come and speak to John or John or myself at the end. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.